Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the witness testimony in the Barrison trial. On today's installment, we begin our examination of the advocate's closing arguments. That's all coming up right after the break. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. With witness testimony complete in the trial of Michael Barrison, Judge Stephen Taylor and the attorneys had a conference where they discussed the judge's charging instructions. We will examine the issues raised in that conference in a future episode when we cover the judge's explanation of the charges to the jury. It is the morning of Monday, April 11th, 2022, and Judge Taylor gavels in the session, welcomes the jury, and announces the business of the day. At the point now where we're going to hear closing arguments, also referred to commonly as summations from counsel. And we'll hear first from the defense, Mr. Belinkus. Barrison attorney Edward Belinkus rises and addresses the jury. Before I start, I'd like to thank you all for your service. The time spent, your attention, is greatly appreciated. I know what a huge sacrifice it was for you to serve on this case. This is what makes this country great. This process that we've gone through is what distinguishes us from every other country in the world. It's been an honor and a pleasure to try this case before you. The way this works, ladies and gentlemen, is that I sum up first. The prosecutor goes after me. I will not be able to comment or dispute anything that he says. As the judge told you, and I'm sure he'll tell you again, what the attorneys say is not evidence. Because I can't respond, I'm going to ask you to listen carefully to everything he says. Make sure the evidence supports what he says. Because if you remember in his opening statement, he told you when Michael Barrison drove down to the farmhouse, and confronted Lauren Cataract. He was angry. He was furious. Those were his words. I submit there is no evidence whatsoever in this record to support that statement. To the contrary, it's the opposite. Even Robert Goodwin and Lauren Cataract described Michael Barrison as calm. He used the word sorrowful. It was the defense that brought out 
that Lauren Cataract was the one that was pissed. That's her word. She was the one that came stomping down to confront Michael Barrasov. She's the one who described herself in her original statement as being Miss Badass. The same description of her conduct with an earlier altercation, where she got up into Michael Barrasov's face. She pushed him back 20 feet or so. He tried to leave. She prevented him. Remember? She slammed his door shut. He was pleading with her to leave. Those were her words with respect to the law of insanity. The judge will instruct you. Again, I'd just like to point out that the law recognizes that a forbidden act should not be punished criminally unless done with the knowledge of wrongdoing. If someone is found not guilty by reason of insanity, it does not mean that he will be freed or that he will be indefinitely committed to a mental institution. The court will hold hearings, make determinations as to whether there are things to adequately protect that person, but more importantly, to protect the public. In my opening statement, I told you what I thought this case was about. Far different than as the prosecutor described it in his statement. After you've seen all the evidence, I hope you agree that it's not a simple cut and dry case as the prosecutor suggested. I submit, ladies and gentlemen, that the state has not met its burden. I submit you should find Michael Barrison not guilty. Clearly, it's horrible that Lauren Canarat was shot. No person should have to go through that. It's important that you look at the evidence, though. And I submit to you, as I did in my opening statement, that the only evidence as to how the shooting occurred comes from both Canarat and Goodwin. The investigation starts and stops with them. It stops with Robert Goodwin pointing to Michael Barrison and saying he's the shooter. <clears throat> Two people who I had indicated in my opening, and I believe the evidence has confirmed, have a motive to lie, who have changed their stories, left important things out, poor important facts, and have now walked into this courtroom, put their hand on this Bible, looked you all in the, in the eyes, and lied to you. The judge is going to instruct you as to a legal concept. It's called false in one, false in all. If you believe that someone intentionally came into this courtroom and intentionally lied about a significant fact, you could disregard their entire testimony. I submit that that's exactly what you should do with Lauren Canarac and Robert Goodwin's testimony. Before I get into their specific testimony, I'd like to talk to you about the inadequate investigation that I mentioned in my opening statement. Reasonable doubt, the linchpin, linchpin of the criminal justice system. Reasonable doubt may arise from the evidence itself or the lack of evidence. As I said, the prosecutor's entire case is based on Cataract and Goodwin. 
The investigation stopped after Goodwin pointed Barrison out. The evidence is clear that the prosecutor never looked at the events leading up to the incident. The evidence will show that they ignored critical, precise evidence which would have shown you exactly what happened. Evidence that if they had conducted even the most basic scientific analysis would have addressed many questions, unanswered questions, that I suggest you should have. Instead of doing that, instead of doing a thorough, unbiased investigation, they chose to rely on those two witnesses who clearly have a motive, who admitted on, in this courtroom to having a plan, a plan to destroy Michael Barrison and his business. Their whole case with regards to what happened prior to the shooting, when the beating of Michael Barrison occurred, where and when shots were fired, and when a dog attacked Michael Barrison in relationship to the beating that he received. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After attacking the prosecution's case for relying almost exclusively on the testimonies of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin, Edward Belenkis proceeds in his closing argument to raise questions about the absence of physical evidence in the state's case. Look, ladies and gentlemen, at the lack of evidence. Ask yourself, what is the most reliable and unbiased piece of evidence in any criminal trial? Video surveillance. You can't change its content. You can't alter it. You can't lie about what's actually depicted. Where's that video? Ask yourself, where is that video? Why didn't the prosecutor or the police seize it on that day? They're asking you to rely solely on the testimony of Robert Goodwin with regards to the content, when he turned that off. That's the only evidence that they're asking you to rely on. Clearly, on the night in question, the Washington Township Police Department and the Morris County Prosecutor's Office were made aware of that camera and the possibility that it had captured this entire event. Why didn't someone from Blink testify? There's got to be some record with regards to those cameras. Three different cameras, according to Goodwin. When, the, when was the camera turned on? When was it turned off? What did those cameras capture? How long do those images, are they, are they retained in the cloud? If you turn off an inside camera, as Goodwin said, does that affect and disable the camera outside that would have depicted this entire incident? Where's that testimony, ladies and gentlemen? They're asking you to rely on Robert Goodwin. Doesn't it seem a bit odd 
too big of a coincidence that Robert Goodwin just happened to turn off that video on the day of the shooting. The evidence before you shows that the camera was working on the day before, on the 6th. Recall the testimony about the video capturing Ruth Cox going into the farmhouse the day she got bit by the dog. I submit that's too big of a coincidence for you to rely on, especially when there's been testimony that Lauren Canarak was talking about finishing Michael Barrison that morning, especially when Canarak and Goodwin had the discussion a few days before about disarming Michael Barrison's web cameras. Why would anyone, ladies and gentlemen, under any circumstances, want to disable someone else's camera unless they didn't want what they were going to do to be depicted on that? You still want to believe Robert Goodwin? I submit, ladies and gentlemen, that that lack of evidence calls into question the entire sequence of events. I submit, ladies and gentlemen, that that is reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt begins when the camera is shut off. The prosecutor has to answer that. You should demand a response to those questions. If he says it doesn't matter, I have two eyewitnesses, Mr. Belinkus, questioning everything else that comes after that. Those witnesses had a plan to destroy Michael Barrison. One of those witnesses is the person who testified was the one who disabled and turned off that camera. Let me throw a little more gas on that fire. When the police get there, no one's holding a gun. The gun is on the ground. Why didn't the police do DNA fingerprint testing on the gun, the magazine, or the casings? Why didn't they do that gunshot residue on Michael Barrison's hand to determine if he had fired the weapon? You saw in Captain Fellini's affidavit that the judge gave them the right to do that. Why not do that? If you are searching for the truth, do everything. Cross your T's, dot your I's. And why didn't they ask for gunshot residue testing on cataract or Goodwin? No, the prosecutor wants you to rely on those witnesses. Let's talk about their crime scene investigation. I submit that the investigation conflicts with Canarac and Goodwin's testimony, their version of events. They say three shots were fired. Look at the photos and all the evidence that comes before you. They only found two shell casings. Where's the third? You can't have a shot without a shell casing. I submit that Canarac and Goodwin are lying about that third shot. Is it possible, is it conceivable that one of the two bullets that had gone through Canarac's body hit the door? Is that possible? Should anything have been done to try to confirm that or rule that out? If there is no third shot, there is no attempted murder on Robert Goodwin. Let's look at Canarac's testimony. Again, a witness who admitted on the stand to having a plan, a plan to destroy Michael Barrison. Stop and think for a second of the magnitude of that statement. 
Not only was she angry or upset with Michael Barrison, but she made a conscious decision, a conscious decision to try to destroy someone. Who does that? Who goes to the extent that Lauren Canarak and Robert Goodwin went to? If you recall Canarak's testimony, the evidence came out on cross, not on direct with the prosecutor's question, that prior to the shooting, she was planning on suing Michael Barrison. I also brought out that she currently is suing Michael Barrison and has a financial interest in the outcome. I submit, if you believe Lauren Canarak walked into this courtroom, put her hand on this Bible, and intentionally lied to you, disregard her testimony. Why do I say that? Now, the judge allowed certain evidence in for a limited purpose to impeach Ms. Canarak, or evidence that relates to Michael Barrison's state of mind. This is not character evidence. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Lauren Canarak lied to you numerous times. Let's go over the lies. Number one, she lied about the recordings. She lied that all the recordings, where she and Goodwood were not present, were recorded from her locker in the stable. And Goodwin jumps in and uh, says the exact same thing, but we'll deal with him in a minute. That statement is clearly a lie. There is evidence in the record that proves she's lying. Recall Robert Goodwin's testimony. When he recorded the meeting with Canarac, the father, and their own lawyer, where they're talking about the recording, and where Canarac said that all the recordings were done from her locker. And you recall Robert Goodwin's response? <laughs> At least that one, ha, ha. That testimony, number one, Proofs that Canarac is lying about that, I submit, but it also casts doubt on their attorney, Edward David, which I submit to you, you should disregard everything that he says. He was one of the two people that Canarac said gave him permission to do these secret recordings. When I questioned him or tried to talk to him with regards to anything about these recordings, what was his response? I, I have no recollection of that. You know, he, he wanted to stay away, as far away from that as he possibly could. Why? Well, maybe it, they were illegal. You know, maybe his license may be at jeopardy. He said over and over again, I don't recall having a discussion. Even when I showed him the transcript that I cross-examined Goodwin with, where they talk about the recording and where it's being done. Oh, I... I don't have a recollection. Oh, it's two and a half years. He didn't even want to look at the transcript. What does that tell you? And further with regards to Davis, when, when you recall his testimony, he testified on the phone that he heard a struggle. And then he said he heard, he testified here, a shot. But in his original statement, he said clear as a bell that he didn't know it was a shot. But after talking to everyone, being prepped for trial, he comes in here and testifies under oath that it was a shot. If you need further evidence that Cataract is lying about those recordings, recall Mary Haskins Graves' testimony, Mary DeFranco's 
testimony. The attorney for Michael Barrison, Stephen Tarshish's testimony. Those three witnesses unequivocally told you that during this time, they had private conversations with Michael Barrison in the office and in the club room. And that after those conversations, Lauren Canarak posted their exact words. The office that's been testified is over a hundred feet away from her locker. The club room is literally 40 feet. Both rooms are separated from Lauren Canarak's locker by a closed, solid door. Did she lie in this courtroom? I submit there's overwhelming evidence to support that. I submit that she lied about her social media posts. She lied about what she posted and who she posted about. Do you recall her testimony when I confronted her with something that was damaging to what she said and damaging to the prosecutor's case? When I confronted her with her own words, she denied originally making that post. When I walked up, showed her the exact things that she had posted or texted, she said, probably. I counted 16 times she used that word. If she didn't use the word probably after being confronting with her exact words, she said things like, I, I, I don't recall if that's what it says. She refused in just about every instance, ladies and gentlemen, to admitting to exactly what she had done and her exact words with regards to that. The only person that does that is someone who's trying to deceive you. Use your common sense. Use the ability that you use every day in your life when someone tells you something and you don't know them. And you consider all the factors that everyone does in making a decision as to whether or not someone is being truthful with you. Is there anyone in this courtroom that if presented with their own exact words on a post or a text would hesitate and accept that that's what you did say? She also lied about not sneaking around in the woods at, at night. Now, you've heard everything that Lauren Canarak has done for Michael Barrison. You heard from Michael McGrain. Remember he testified there was one instance where she was in the woods sneaking around. She was dressed in all black with no shoes on. She lied to you. There is evidence that she lied to you. She also lied to you that the reason why she didn't leave was because she couldn't find a place to house her horses and train both her and those horses. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we continue to hear the closing argument from defense attorney Edward Belinkus. If you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>